Okay, today, Be'ezrat Hashem, we'll be learning Davkuf Gimel in Masechus Ervin. Kuf Gimel. But we begin with the last line on Kuf Bez Amad Bez. What were we talking about? Well, we had a Mishnah on Davkuf Bez that was discussing nothing to do with Ervin or Masechus Ervin, but we were discussing Kosher, the Melacha of Kosher. Uh, it's one of the Melachas of Shabbos. And we were talking about Kosher which is a knot versus a bow. The Mishnah had said that you can tie a knot in the base of Mikdash, but you cannot tie a knot in outside of the base of Mikdash. This is a sure sign of an Isser Durabonon. Isserim Durabonon are, in fact, Mutter, Einshvus B'Mikdash. If it has to do with the Avodah of Mikdash, we're going to allow these Isserim Durabonon. The Mishnah, however, said that if you did it L'Chavchila, then it's going to be usr. You can't just string up instrument lechatchila. So the Gemara initially suggested that perhaps the reason why we're allowed to tie a knot in the base of Mikdash uh, for an instrument where a string snapped, we're talking about string instruments here, that perhaps the reason is because of Rebbe Lazar. Now we said that Rebbe Lazar, the Mila, right, in Masechus Shabbos, that he is the one that allows machshire uh, mitzvah to be performed. If in an event where a mitzvah is allowed to be performed, for example, a bris mila, or the avodas mikdash, if those things are allowed to be performed, and in fact, we don't have the kalim to perform them now, so then Rabbi Lazar is going to be makel and allowed to do whatever it takes to prepare this particular thing, as long as it, he considers that actual part of the mitzvah. Right, part of the mitzvah is to have that ready, and therefore, just like you can do the mitzvah, you could also do what's called the machshir mitzvah, the preparations of the mitzvah. However, the Gemara had a question that if that's the case, if our mission that says that you can tie a string like you pop a string on your harp and you could tie it on Shabbos, that that's allowed. So then, why is it? Not, why does the end of the mission say that you can't string up a harp the chachila? After all, let's suppose you did not have the requisite harp to perform the song, the singing that the Levium did during the Karbonus and all that. You didn't have the harp for it. And so wouldn't Rebbe Lazar allow you to make one L'Chadchila? So perhaps our mission is not talking about Rebbe Lazar. Okay. Then we introduced the Machlokas Rebbe Yudah and Rabbanon, whether there's a Machlokas between bows and knots altogether. In other words, our right Gemara brought a brysa that was a contradiction to our mission. Our mission says that you could tie an actual knot. The Gemara brought a brysa. The brysa said that an actual bow is what you can tie, but you cannot tie a knot, right? So like we said, the first suggestion, maybe our mission was Rebbe Lazar, but we said, but then you could probably string up an actual knot. It wouldn't matter if it's a knot. It wouldn't matter if it's a bow. It would be allowed to be done altogether, right? As long as it's a mitzvah, that would be the point, okay? But... Um, now we're saying, well, what then is, who's, who's, what's the authorship? How are you going to reconcile this price that says you can only tie a bow where the mission says that you could tie a knot? So we said maybe it's Rabbi Huda and Rabbanon where uh, Rabbi Huda holds, right, that there's no distinction between a knot and a bow. And therefore, since there's no distinction between a knot and a bow, we're going to allow you to do a knot just like you would be allowed to do a bow. But Rabbanon uh, see a distinction and therefore they're only going to allow you to do the more lenient thing, which is a bow.
So then the Gemara is saying, well, Rabbi Huda Liba Daman. So then whose opinion is Rabbi Huda going to have to follow? So let's say we say that our, let's say we follow this suggestion and we say that our mission is talking about Rabbi Huda who says that you're allowed to tie a knot. Okay, so where is Rabbi Huda getting this? That you're allowed to even tie a knot when you can, you, when you can even, when you can tie a bow. Why would they allow you to tie a knot? So says our Gemara, right? Who does he follow? Maybe he would follow. Right, Rabbi Lazar. But says the Gemara as we arrive at Kufkimel and Baralaf, Eliba the Rabbi Lazar, Amar, Afilachilanami. So we have the same question. If he follows the opinion of Rabbi Lazar, or Rabbi Lazar, those two names seem to be the same name. So if he follows Rabbi Lazar, so then even the Chatchila, he's allowed to do it. So then we are, have the same question as we had before. So the Gemara says, no. This halacha, the b'risa is reflecting Rav Shimon, and our mission is reflecting Rav Banan, and we're going to see a b'risa now that actually says this, like almost befeir, Tanya, because the b'risa said, Ben Levi, Shunifzakol, Nima, Bakinar. This becomes significant. It's a Ben Levi, so he's one of the singing Levites. May uh, we... Uh, well, I'm a Bain Levi, so Bezat Hashem, I look forward to singing in the rebuilt base of Mikdash very soon, Amen. Uh, I don't know if people are going to look forward to my singing, but I look forward to singing. Anyways, so I'm singing, I'm playing my guitar, boom, I pop a string. So that's significant, right? I'm popping the string in the middle. I'm not making my guitar lechatchila. But anyways, kosher, I could tie it. Rabbi Shim, that is the Rabbanon. That sounds very much like our Mishnah. Rabbi Shimon Omer Onva, and there you go, there you have the Brysa, the Brysa is going to Rabbi Shimon, Rabbi Shimon says that you tied with a bow, not with a knot. I think I may have mentioned we're going to be talking about a knot and a bow as we put a knot and a bow on Maseches Erevin at the very, very end, very soon. On Sunday, Bezat Hashem, we'll have like a small, special uh, MP3 edition to make our seum, so... Mazel tov to everyone who's gotten this far, and may we get all through, all the way through to the end of Shas and beyond many times. Okay. So, anyways, you have the two shitas. You have Rabbanon who says that you tie it. You have Rabbi Shimon who says you make an aniva. And Rabbi Shimon ben Elazar says, Afhi eina mashmas is a kol. Rabbi Shimon ben Elazar has an unusual sheet, uh, interesting point, which I think is a good point. Rashi even brings up uh, something beautiful about this, that what? If you ever played a string instrument or guitar, you've seen the people, um, when they pop a string, what they do. Let's read in the words in the Gemara first. Right? They don't just tie the thing, the string together. They're taking the whole thing out. They're stringing it through. They're tying it from the top. They're tying it from the bottom. They're affixing it. Basically, you have to replace the strings. So Shimon ben Lazar is saying that all of this tying in knots and bows is, is bogus. It's, it's not going to help at all. As Rashi says so beautifully, the first skinny lines, it's not going to make any positive, any good sound. Listen, kosher is, it's interesting, he says it's also an avmalacha. Um, we had discussed some of the Abmalachas are more prominent than others, but kosher is certainly one of the Abmalachas. So, right? So, it's like one of these diminishing returns, right? Rabbi Shimon holds, Rashi is explaining Rabbi Shimon ben Lazar. Rabbi Shimon ben Lazar, not Rabbi Shimon, Rabbi Shimon ben Lazar holds that if you're going to already fix the string then do it properly because then you want to have a really beautiful sound that's going to come out so that is be that as it may this is the 
the resolution of the contradiction between the Mishnah and the Brisa because we have the sheet of the Rabbanon and the sheet of Rib Shimon that seems to actually align with the sheet of our Mishnah, whereas the Rabbanon is our Mishnah, Rabbi Shimon is the Brisa. Or perhaps perhaps you could say that both the Brisa and the Mishnah follow the Shita of the Rabbanon, let's say you could tie it, but perhaps the tying only can be take place where it's absolutely needed, which is if a string props in the middle. In the middle, you're going to tie the string. Uh, you know, we might want to follow Rabbi Shimon Ben-Alazar here because we just said that, that made more, more sense, but we're trying to not figure out the halacha here. We're trying to figure out who the authorship of our Mishnah versus the Brisa. So our Mishnah says you tied it or not. The Brisa says you tied it in a bow. So maybe the bow is more appropriate if it breaks, but there's still enough string that you could just put a bow at the end where the only thing that matters is that it's, is that it's affixed and you have like a nice clean string. So then there you could put a bow and perhaps then you should put a bow because it is less of a malacha, right? It's not really the malacha of kosher. As opposed to if it breaks in the middle, you have no choice. Because if you put a bow, the whole thing's going to fall apart when you try to play it. And therefore, that's where you can put a string. That was the second suggestion of the Gemara. And the third suggestion, in both cases, it's talking about the middle. But Marsavar Gazrinan, amazingly, Rib Shimon, is going to be Gozer, that you are not going to be allowed to make a knot in the string. So this is a, quite a shita, right? He's saying that we're only going to let you put a bow in the middle because of the fact that we don't want you to get the wrong idea that you could tie these things. So if we let you tie it in the middle, we would have to let you tie it at the end as well. And that's going to be problematic. So therefore, it comes out almost ludicrous in, in, in terms of practical halacha because we're going to make you tie a bow in the middle of your string and then you're going to play it and the whole thing's going to fall apart right away. So I don't know exactly how it works out pragmatically, but be that as it may, the concern, uh, certainly in terms of priorities, is that if you're going to, if you're going to allow you to tie it for real in the middle, perhaps you'd end up tying it at the end, even when it's not as necessary, and then you'd really be violating kosher unnecessarily. So that is the thrust of every Shimon's shita. However, the Rabbanon are going to say, they're not worried about this gazera, and therefore you're going to be able to, they're going to let you tie it. They're going to let you tie it in the middle of the string. However, if it uh, is at the end of the string, we're going to trust you to not tie it and to instead use a bow. Okay. Now we arrive at the Mishnah on Kuf Gimel Amad Aleph. The Mishnah now is talking about warts. What's going on with these warts? Let's see. You can cut off a wart from an animal with your hand. Okay, we're going to see. How do we know that, that you're cutting it with hand as opposed to a knife? Uh, well, first of all, this is in the Mikdash. Avalova Medina. So certainly cutting off a wart is going to be, so we see in Rashi, that it is a derivative of gozes, okay? Cutting off a wart in general is going to be an iser, just to do its stam. But we're going to see uh, throughout the next uh, daf how this becomes uh, very relevant in a bunch of different aspects of the base of Mikdash. Be that as it may, if it's part of the avoda that you need to have this wart cut off, so then certainly you could do so. Avayim bichli kan bakan aser. Right, so the fact that you could do it in the mikdash of a loba medina, but down the medina it makes uh, makes it seem like it's a derivative, which is a derabanan. The gemara is going to have to discuss which is this case that's derabanan. Okay, however, bechli kan kan but cutting it off with an actual kli, 
This is how we know that when it said before that chot it meant with your hand. So by doing it with your hand, that's how we arrived at a derabanan. Okay, so now we know why it's derabanan, and now we know why it's mutter in the mikdash because ain't shvus mikdash. Okay. However, we also then know why it's aser outside because v'im b'kli kan b'kan aser. If you use a kli, that's straight up goes as, and that's going to be aser midar raisa, and therefore aser even in the mikdash. So let's see how the gemara analyzes this. The gemara says u'riminhu. Why does our Mishnah say that it's Asa Midar Rabbanan? How, because we say, in fact, in Mishnah, in where? Amazingly, Maseches Psachim. So even as we finish Erevin, we start seeing foreshadowing, uh, a foreshpeist, a teaser of the upcoming Maseches of Psachim, which we'll be talking about the Karben Pesach now. So amazing. Urminu, Herkivo Vehavaso Mechutzatchum. Okay, you bring in the carbon Pesach, it has to be brought in Erev Pesach, even if that's Shabbos. So if Shabbos is Erev Pesach, Erev Pesach Shechalios B'Shabbos, so we have these amazing uh, applications. So for example, one of the things that was done with the carbon Pesach was that it was checked for a moment in the house, and if it had a moment, maybe you'd cut it off in the house. Not only that, but you would carry it. Carrying can involve two, two possible Isurim. It can involve the Isur there are abundant of tchum because you're carrying it from outside of the tchum. It could also involve the iser daraisa, right? Of havaras dalam spishasarabim to the extent that you're walking in the shasarabim. So there's a lot of potential isurim here that we're going to be docha in order to allow you to uh, bring the korban pesach on erev pesach shechal lios b'shabes. And the mishnah therefore says herkivo, you can carry it. And you can bring it from outside the Tchum, that's a Darabonon. And you can also cut off the wart on the Korban Pesach. And all of these things aren't going to be Dochen Shabbos. They can be done on Shabbos with impunity. However, Yezer says that they do. I'm sorry, Ein Dochen means that you cannot do it. I apologize. Ein Dochen means that you cannot do it. And Rebeliezer Omer Dochen. Rebeliezer says that they are Dochen, which means that you can do those things, of course. And of course, that's consistent, right? This is Rebeliezer, who says you could do so with Bris Mila, who says you could do so with a knot, and here he says that you could do so with the Korban Pesach as well. Okay, because all of these are mitzvahs. Okay, now, this is contrary to our Mishnah, right? Because here we have the Tanakama, who says, Ein Dochen, that you can't cut it at all. Whereas our mission said that it's at least, right, that it's at least mutter midar banan in the base of Mikdash. In other words, in the base of Mikdash, we're going to say that it's, uh, it's allowed. As opposed to the Mishnah Psachim said, categorically, that it's not allowed, in the Tanakhama at least. Rabbi Eliezer said it was okay, but we know that our Mishnah can't be Rabbi Eliezer because our Mishnah prohibits it, right, with a kli. Right, if it were Rabbi Yezer, then Rabbi Yezer would even allow to cut off the wart with a kli. This is how, how Mekil, so to speak, Rabbi Yezer is with regards to Machshir and Mitzvah. So we know that our Mishnah must be somebody, and so what we're searching is for here is the authorship of our Mishnah. But be that as it may, our Mishnah is going to be contradicting the Tanakama in the bright in this Mishnah in Psachim. And so Tanakama Mishnah Psachim says that it's categorically Aser. Our Mishnah says it's only Aser Derabanan. So let's see if we can reconcile these two Mishnayas. So let's see. Rabbi Lazar, Rabbi Yossi, Rabbi Chanina, Chana, Marhava, Habalacha, Velokasha, Khan Riyad, Khan Okay, so two opinions on how to approach it. 
one between Rabbi Lazar and Rabbi Yossi and Rabbi and uh, Rabbi Lazar and Rabbi Yossi Rechanina, one said that's talking about what? Not a dry lesion, but a moist lesion. Dry lesion is better. Dry lesion is like flaking off the skin. That's going to be okay. A moist lesion is like part of you. That's already like you don't want to mess with that. Okay. So if it's a moist lesion, that's one suggestion. It's a moist lesion and it's not a kasha because we can reconcile the two Mishnahis. Kan biyad. Because our Mishnah is talking about we doing it by hand. Well, by hand we know is a durbanon. And therefore, even though it's a moist lesion, it's going to be allowed to be done in the Mikdash and Kanba Kli. And Kli, we know, is a Daraisa, and therefore it's going to be Asr categorically, and that is the Mishnah Psachim. And so we have the two reconciled. Good. The other opinion is, V'chad Amar Yad. That both of them are talking about when you did it Bayad. Okay. So if you did it Bayad, shouldn't it both be there abundant? So it says, V'lo Kasha, Habalacha, Habayavesha. That the Mishnah Psachim here, now we're switching the order. But the moist lesion is going to be the one that's obviously going to be usser, whereas the dry one is going to be, right, the one that we have that's allowed to be done with the Rabbanon. Um, the question is, well, it's, it's doing by hand. So why is it usser in Psachim? So we're going to have to see. So says the Gemara. We're going to go both ways. We're going to see. So, if you said that it was a moist lesion, why, and, it was, and the distinction is whether you do it by hand or with an instrument, so why didn't you go the other way and say, like the second opinion, that it's a difference between moist and dry? So, you might already anticipate this answer. Amar lach, the Gemara says, Yevesha, right. My taima, ipruchi, iparcha. Because if you're going to say, right, that that it's a Yevesha, so then by Yevesha it's always going to be Mutter, even with a Kli. And therefore, our Mishnah that says that it's Aser, right, the suggestion was that the, that the Mishnah Psachim that says that it's Aser is by a moist, this is the second opinion, that it's moist in the Mesechus Psachim, and that's why it's Aser, whereas in our Mishnah it's only Aser Darabonan, and it's a loud Biyad, and that's a case of a dry. But the point is that the the opinion that argues with him, which is the first opinion, is going to say that no, that if it's a dry lesion, it should be mutter legamre. Right? Why? Because it's falling off. And so therefore it should be mutter with a kli as well. So the Gemara says, okay. So, so that's, we understand very well why that wasn't the first suggestion. But the question is, Why did the second suggestion, which said that one is moist and one is dry, why didn't it say the first suggestion that one is with uh, the hand and one is with an instrument. So, Amalach, Bichli, are you saying that I can remove a ward with a Kli? Hatnan, Im Bichli, Kan Bichan Asr. We already learned in Mishnah and Erevin that to write in our Mishnah that to remove it with a Kli is going to be Asr. And therefore, that would mean that the Mishnah in Psachim would be redundant. And so it's. Right? So it's really, these are the two sides. One side says that Kli should always be Aser, and the other side says that Dry should always be Mutter. That's how you would summarize it. And therefore, one is going to say that it's a Mechlokas between Kli and Yad, and the other one is going to say it's a Mechlokas between Moist and Dry. Beautiful. A little bit more to analyze these two, these two opinions, digging a little, di- a little bit deeper, and the other side 
right, who says that the Mishnah and Psachim is talking about a Kli. So how does he explain why, in other words, if that's the reason why the first opinion, um, if that's the reason why the second opinion didn't want to touch the idea of a Kli, because the Kli is going to be also all the time, so what's the other opinion going to say about that? So it says, the Gemara, So he says, yeah, even though the Mishnah in our Mishnah in Erevin is going to say that a Kli is totally Aser, right, the reason why we le- we could still learn in Psachim again. Why? Because we want to show that Rabbi Lazar is so different than the Rabbanon that he allows you to remove a wart even with a Kli. That's the point. To teach you the Koch of Rabbi Lazar, how far he's willing to go for Machshir Mitzvah to be matir them. Okay? So the second opinion isn't aware of this. How's the second opinion going to handle that? So Ve'idach, right? We go back and forth as the Gemara sometimes does. That the Tana is teaching us that the Kate that that wart removal is similar to what the other malachas that we're doing where in Psachim, which are carrying through Shusar Rabim and bringing it from outside the Tchum. Now, in this particular case, carrying it from Shusar Rabim is not going to be an Isidor Raisa. Do you know why? Because we already learned this once, because of Chai No Says Atzmo. Because the animal actually could walk on its own. So even though it's going to be also, it's only also Durbanan. So the carrying is Durbanan, the Tchum is Durbanan. And so we want to learn that it's all Durbanan. It's, it's for poetic or uh, literary, right, uniformity and also for halachic. Right, instruction to teach you that all of these are all their abundance, and therefore it can't be that we're talking about a moist wart with an instrument because that is certainly asimidar raisa. Okay, and so we have reasons to, to, to see it both ways. Okay, now what will actually the first opinion answer to the argument? The Gemara continues to dig. Ve'idach, how's he going to explain this? So he's going to say, Herkivo, the Lokar Binasan. So we're going to say that maybe it's not true, that maybe the case in Psachim. That those dispensations, if you're going to say that it's truly Rabbi Lazar de Mila, and he is going to allow even a Kli, so then maybe he's going to allow a Kli, and maybe the case of carrying is one of the Raisa, and the case of Tchum is one of the Raisa. How can those cases be true? So the Gemara is going to say, I'll say it outside first. The idea of Chaynosah Satsma making carrying the Rabbanon is the idea of Rabbi Nasan. So maybe the, the Mishnah Psachim disagrees with Rabbi Nasan. And we had already said several times in Maseches Shabbos and in Maseches Erevin that the idea of Tchumen being the Rabbanan is held by the Rabbanan, but Rabbi Kiva famously held the Tchumen with the Raisa. So now we're going to see it inside of the Gemara where it says here, Kiva the Loka Rabbi Nasan, that the carrying is actually not like Rabbi Nasan who says it's the Rabbanan, rather it's going to be the Raisa. The, the Amar HaChai Noses Atzmo, the Chai Noses Atzmo is the sheet of Rabbi Nasan that allows him to say that carrying animals is the Rabbanan as opposed to the Raisa because the animals carry themselves. And and the supposedly the Rabbanon Isser of bringing it from the Tchum, in this particular case, in the Mishnah of Psachim, is referring to who? Kirabi Akiva, the Amar Tchumin, the Raisa. And also Kirabi Akiva holds that Tchumin are, in fact, the Raisa. Okay, so now we're 10 lines down in the wide lines, and the Gemara is going to reject this first opinion, who says we're talking about removing uh, the moist lesion with an instrument as following. Masif or Yosef. Yosef asked, Amar Rabbi Eliezer. Eliezer wanted to talk about the Heksher Mitzvah idea that, was, that he's associated with so closely. And he wants to say the following, We know that the Mitzvah of Shechita itself 
in the Korban Tomen, for example, is in fact performed on Shabbos, right? So we see that Shechita, which is a Malacha, right, Natilas Neshama, it's actually going to be Docha Shabbos. What the exact Malacha there is, is a discussion in itself, but we know that it is in fact Aser, as a, it's an Iser Malacha, Malacha Daraisa. And yet it's Docha Shabbos. So all of these other preparations that are just their abundance, they certainly should be uh, should be Docha Shabbos. Okay, fine. So it's clear that Rabbi Yezer, when he looked at these cases, he thought that they were only their abundance. So that seems to contradict the suggestion over here that perhaps they were Daraisa. Because you might think it was Daraisa, but Rebbe Eliezer didn't think so. So therefore, it's not likely that they are Daraisa. So we have to go back to saying that they are Darabanon. And then, in fact, Rebbe Eliezer is allowing this Kli Darabanon. Okay, so El Amar of Yosef. So that can't be the Pshat. So what's the Pshat? So El Amar of Yosef, Hava Hava Yad. No. Both the Mishnah and the other one is referring to a moist, right, lesion, and you're removing it by hand. What well, an interesting suggestion to reconcile Psachim and Erevin to say that Shvus b'Mikdash is mutter, yes, but only mutter in the Mikdash, and the carbon Pesach is more Aser. Why is it Aser? Because that was being done not in the Mikdash, but it was being done in people's homes. And therefore, it's because it's being done in people's homes, that is not where Shvus b'Mikdash is in fact uh, active is in fact um, right uh, adhered to as Rashi over here says the shvusu v'tzarech mikdashu filu hochi came with the kol chad ve'echad mevaker psicho metakim v'veso everyone is taking care of their korban pesach at their own homes ve'achakach mevil mikdash lo hitiru la'avor ala shvus b'medina wow even though it's a shvus mikdash in the sense that it's tzarech mitzvah or I should better say, right, the mitzvah of avodah and the samikdash, it's still not going to be allowed in the privacy of your own home. That's only something that we're going to be able to allow in the base of mikdash. We don't really want this kind of thing to be um, out of hand and everybody doing their own thing in the, in the thoughts that they're doing. It's the mikdash. Okay. So that is the distinction of Yosef between Erevin and Psachim. So the Gemara asks, Yosef Abayi, the Karmel HaShemaita, Abayi sat and he repeated this to Rav Yosef, uh, this, this shear over in the name of Rav Yosef. So, Esri Rav Safar Labayis, Rav Safar asked Abayi, Hayakar B'Sefer Al Ha'is Kupa. This is a, this is a Mishnah that we had already learned. Um, and this was a mission in Erevin, and I believe it was already quoted earlier in Shabbos as well, that a person is reading a book. Okay, it's a scroll. And and the scroll is starting to roll. Gola etzlo, he can roll it back himself from the Rosh Hashanah below. Wow! So, the chiddush here is that it's a darabonim because he's holding the other side of it, right? He never actually let go of the entire thing, but you do have a portion of the sefer that goes from his Rosh Hashanah into Rosh Hashanah and they're allowing him to roll it back towards himself. Now, what does this have to do with Shavuz Mikdash? What the Gemara is trying to say here is that there is a concept of Shavuz Mikdash outside of the base of Mikdash. What does this have to do with Shavuz Mikdash at all? So Rashi actually goes on to say, Wow, that learning Taira from this scroll is also considered Shavuz Mikdash, 
because it has Kedusha. Alma Shvus, the Tzorach Mikdash Hutter Afbin Medina. So Rashi and the Gemara really is making this unbelievable expansion of the idea of Shvus Mikdash. What we thought that had to do with simply a Vodas of Mikdash, and that's why it had to be in the base of Mikdash. It's referring to what? To learning Kachim? To learning from a Sefer? Something that's a Dover Shiva Kedusha. So that's already uh, a really, a really very vast expansion. That, that, that got out of hand very quickly as far as the expansion of Shvus to Mikdash. But, anyways. That if you hold of that, so you see an example where we're allowing the shvus, so to speak, of kedusha to take place outside of the base of mikdash. So the gemara says, "V'ha'hacha the shvus to mikdash from medinahu." Now here in the case, it right. So they're trying to show that this is shvus to mikdash from medina v'logazrina, and we don't have a gzera because after all, we let the guy roll it back up. Dilma nafal v'asilituye, but we say no because we don't want him to fall out. Right of his hands into the shusarabim, and then if it fell entirely into the shusarabim, that's going to be a true, right? That's going to be an actual uh, problem of true hotza. So for that reason, we allow you to roll back in. Um, but be, be that as it may, that's the reason why we let you roll it back in. We don't want it to fall completely out of his hands, but bringing it in is an Isidur Abanan, and we're suspending the Isidur Abanan. So we see that we're suspending the Isurim Darabanan here, even outside of the base of Mikdash. Okay. So you could poke some holes in this, I believe, but um, be that as made, that's the question as we have it now. So the Gemara says, uh, I do believe, um, okay, uh, Tosos has a tema here that's a little bit related, but not exactly. Okay. Be that as it may, the Gemara is going to refute it regardless, as follows. Didn't we already say, if you learn the Sugi, didn't we say that, that case in that Mishnah was when it's only a Carmelis and it just happens to have a Rishus Rab in front of it, but we know that a Rishus Rab the Carmelis is only their abundant to begin with. And then the cave of the Igda Biyada, Felix Shvus Namileka. And therefore, if one end, if he's holding on to one of the end of the scroll, so it's a Shvus to Shvus, right? It's a Darabanan, it's two Rishus juxtaposed creating an, an Issa Darabanan with a Darabanan situation of holding on to half the scroll. Shvus to Shvus, we already know, we don't do. So therefore, that's why we allow it. It has nothing to do, really, you can't make an inference of here, of relaxing a Shvus outside of the Mikdash, because this never got off the ground, this Shvus, because this Shvus was a Shvus to Shvus to begin with, okay. Or a different objection, Aceve. If Safra challenged the body from following Mishnah, Different Mishnah in Mesechus Shabbos that we learned earlier in Shabbos. Mishashlin, but even though we learned earlier in Shabbos from last Mesechta, it's actually a topic of Psachim, following Mesechta. Mishashlin is a Pesach Latanarim Chashecha, that when the first day of Pesach comes out on Shabbos, you can bring the, the Pesach, the carbon Pesach, into the oven, right, Friday night, even though, right, it's not going to be roasted until after. Afterwards, so we're doing this a rabbinic problem, right? You're putting it in like right before Shabbos, right? And so you're putting it in, but we talked about right Shehia and all those uh, malachos of Bishul. So you're putting it in. I may have said on Shabbos, but no, you're putting it right before Shabbos. But you really know that you're cooking this thing, roasting as it were on Shabbos. So what's going on here? We're going to allow you to do that. So we say v'ha'hacha deshvus demikdash b'medina. Isn't that the case where we're allowing the shvus to take place, right? Because we know Shahi is a malacha is really darabanan, 
right? It's not actual Bishul. And therefore it's Rudurabanan. And it's Bimedina. We're relaxing it for the purpose of the Korban Pesach. And yet it's not a Korban that's taking place by virtue of being Korban Pesach, which is why we end up talking about a Korban Pesach here. Because most of the sacrifices, right, that we make are going to be in the base of Mikdash. What happens to be the Korban Pesach really spends a lot of time first in the people's homes, right? So in that case, we're doing what? We're allowing preparations and we're allowing it to happen outside of the base of Mikdash. And therefore, it looks like we're relaxing Shavuos, right, outside of the Mikdash, Pimedina. And then we say, which was the famous Gezerah of Shehia over there, where we said, we don't have that Gezerah there, Abanan. So Ishtik, Abaye, when he heard this, he was silent, which sounds like a tacit agreement. Now, he also looked at me there of Yosef, when Abaye came to Yosef, Amalei, Hachi, Amalei, Rav Safra. Right? So, Shamar Tadavar, right? He was silent, but he remembered what he said. And he went back to Rabbi Yosef and he said, I heard this vart from Rabbi Safra when he brings this question of the Korban Pesach. What do I do about the Shia of the Korban Pesach? How do I reconcile that with the idea of that the Shfus B'Mikdash is only in the base of Mikdash? So, Amar Lehi, Rabbi Yosef answered him, My time alone to Shanalei, why didn't you answer him the following? Bnei Chabura's reason him. Yeah, that even though it's true that typically we would say shvus, that Shvus B'Mikdash is only going to be something that we're going to take care of in the base of Mikdash itself, it's not so much because it's taking place geographically in the confines of the base of Mikdash. It's because what? It's because just like the Kohanim has reason, right? In other words, you have people who are very conscientious. And they're vetted, right? We know that they're going to do their job. So we're not concerned that there's going to be monkey business. So over here, we're also saying, B'nai Chaburah's reason hen, that the members of the Chaburahs that make up, right, the Korban Pesach, they're also typically very careful about it. And therefore, they, they are an exception to the rule as well. So there's two ways of saying it, either fundamentally that that's why it's Mutter and B'mikdash also, or... More simply, that it's mutter in the Mikdash because it's in the Mikdash. And normally it shouldn't be mutter to do the Korban Pesach, to do the Shehiyah of the Korban Pesach, as it were. Um, however, we know that Bnei Chabur are very conscientious as if we don't have a Gezer Darbana on them. So Gemara explains why Abai himself didn't give this answer initially. Why? According to Abaye, it didn't occur to him that the Bnei Chabura was so's reason. Because he knows that the Kohanim in the base of Mikdash, that's their job, and they're very good at it, and like we said, they're vetted. So they are very Zaris, and that he knew. However, Bnei Chabura's reason ain't law none. Who's to say the Bnei Chabura's reason? It's true that a lot of people are into it. But some people, you know, it's human beings, and it's a much larger population. It's, you can't really... Control. You don't really have the kind of quality control where you can really trust everyone. With comes, and that was the reason why by himself had not given that answer. Okay, so that was another way of reconciling the machlokus between Psachim and Ervin. Now we're going to have another reason. Rava, another way. Rava, Rabbi he that our mission is Rabbi Okay, wait a minute. Our mission is Rabbi and our Mishnah allows it midar banan, and the Mishnah in Psachim doesn't allow it at all. So that that seems to work. Okay. However, you might say, if that's the case, then why are we not allowed to remove it with an instrument? Ah, 
So for that, you're going to say that if you really want to understand Rabbi Eliezer well, you have to understand that he's going to allow you to do anything that you need to do for the sake, for the tzorach of mitzvah. But we're not going to say what we call hutra, that it's a free-for-all, that you could do anything you need, like we can, let's say, for pikuach nefesh, anything that's for pikuach nefesh, you don't ask questions. But if you're doing it for a mitzvah, so then you should try to at least avoid melacha as much as you can. So for example, if you could take it off with your fingernails as opposed to with whatever clear you're going to use, so that's certainly preferable, even to Rebbe Le'ezer, who's so who's generally so makil. Okay, so, Maihi, what's the source of this idea that we even say this within Rebbe Le'ezer? So the Gemara says that the Tanya, because he had a brisa. The brisa says that if a wart develops on a coin's body, so here it's not on the animal, but it's on the coin. What's wrong with the coin? Because it's one of the physical defects that can de- disqualify him from doing avoda. So, so this happened, this developed, he was about to do the avoda, developed on Shabbos. Gross, but necessary. The friend has to cut it off from him with his teeth. Why is his teeth? What's going on here? So the Bryce is saying, Bishinav in Biklilo. He's going to cut it off with his teeth, but not with an instrument. Why? And Chaveru in Ihulo. And his friend has to do it. He can't do it himself. Why? Mani, who's saying this? So Ilema Rabbanan of Amikdash, if you're going to say that this is not Rabbi Lazadamila, if you're going to say that this is just the Rabbanan, say that these things are Asr, but what we want to do is we want to bring it down to a Durabanan by making a friend do it with his teeth. And then once you hit Durabanan, we're going to say Inchvus B'Mikdash. Because again, the Durabanan don't disagree with Inchvus B'Mikdash. They just disagree with the idea of Heksher Mitzvah being allowed. Okay. So, so let's say that that's what that Brysa is referring to. So it says the Gemara, Kema Dami Durabanan Be'Alam Mishum Shvus Hacha Mali Hu Mali Chavero. Okay. Well, the Durabanan are going to generally Right, they're going to say the biting off a a uh, lesion is going to be a shvus altogether. So it's really not going to be totally necessary for his friend to get involved. Why are we talking about his friend? So he said, "Look, Allah Rabbi Yezer, the Amar Rabbi must be talking about Rabbi Yezer, and he must hold that generally biting off a growth is still going to be also the Oraisa. Amazingly, however, and so the only way that Baisa makes sense, the Gemara is saying, is perhaps if you say that it's still an Isidar Raisa, but Rebbe is going to allow it. But the reason he's going to allow it is because it's being done in the least usher way possible. And that's how you get around, that's how you can understand that Baisa, okay? And that would be the source of this idea within Rabbi Yelazar, that the Machshir Mitzvah, you try to minimize the Avera. The Gemara, however, says that doesn't have to be the case. We can explain the Brisa otherwise. How so? Let's say it's the Rabbanon, okay? Now, the word in this particular case, let's say it developed on his stomach, okay? So the coin himself can reach it, and he should be allowed to remove it, okay? And they, and they, why? Because he's biting it off. And biting it off should be only also the Rabbanon, as we said within the Shittas Rabbanon. So, Oh, okay. Maybe we're talking about the Rabbanon. 
right? And really, biting it off will be a darabanan. But the question is, why does his buddy have to do it with, for, for him? His buddy has to do it for him, not because of any halachic reasons, as we suggested previously within this case, but rather for practical reasons. He can't reach his back with his teeth, obviously. Right? Even his elbow that he can reach with his hand, he can't reach with his teeth. I don't know why it's not talking about his hand, honestly. Biado. There must be something there, but biado. But be that as it may, he's doing it with his teeth. Or, but, but the back is a good, right? It's an area that he can't reach, is the point. Okay, so the Gemara says, okay, but either a banan, nishkale nihale biyad. Oh, here we go. Let him remove it by hand, right? He can reach his elbow with his hand. Baruch Shekivanti. Okay, I forgot that we saw this. Okay, good. The tifshat to Rabbi Lazar, uh, and you could say, and then you could verify that Rabbi Lazar, Dar Rabbi Lazar, machlokas biyad of a bekli divrei kol chayev. Rabbi Lazar himself said that the machlokas applies only when you're removing it by hand. But we said that before. Or you move it with a right when you move it with the kli, everyone's going to say that it's going to be also Dar Raisa. Yeah, but the problem is the Gemara says the same problem is going to say even if you follow Rabbi Lazar's opinion. Will tamech Rabbi Lazar yad. But then, according to Rabbi Ezra, you also should have said that you can move it by hand and not with his teeth. So the Gemara answers and concludes that we do indeed follow Rabbi Eliezer. Because how? Hi, my E. Amis Bishlema. Rabbi Eliezer. If we assume that the price of follows Rabbi Eliezer, we understand. That's why the Bryce has said that you can't remove a wart by hand. Because to safeguard using a Kli. And whereas teeth, I think, would not be an issue in the same way. But if you say the Bryce is following Rabbanon, then the question still stands. Let him remove it already by hand. And then you don't have to say anything more about this. You don't have to make a distinction between the hand and the Kli. So therefore, it's clear that we follow the Ezer and not the Rabbanon. Right? And therefore, we have a Rava's idea within this special dispensation with, with Rabbi Lezer, that Rabbi Lezer holds that whenever you do a Heksher Mitzvah, you have to try to avoid the rices as much as possible, actually comes out of this Gemara. And so we learned something very significant here about the dynamic of the Halacha of Rabbi Lezer. Uh, continuing a little bit more here, we have the Mishnah um, in the middle of Kof Gimel and Bez. Let me just see how many minutes we have. 41. Okay, so we still have a few minutes. Oh, wait, I didn't read the Mishnah. The Mishnah says, So you have an injured coin. He wounded his finger on Shabbos. So in the base of Mikdash, you can wrap, regrass um, band-aid on it. Right? You can't use the regrass band-aids in general on Shabbos, but obviously, in order to continue with the performance of the Avoda, you can. Uh, but im dam, if he tied it tightly in order to bring blood out of the wound, so that this has nothing to do with healing. I don't know why he's doing this. Obviously, this is going to be an iser, right? Because expressing blood from a wound has nothing to do with the Vodas of Mikdash, and it's Chavala. So certainly that's going to be Yasser. That's what Rashi explains. Okay. So the Gemara says, they only taught this with regards to this reed uh, type of band-aid. But a small belt, 
not sure exactly what kind of belt this is, but that's not going to be mutter because havi yitur begadim. What you're concerned with, always with kohanim, is that they're not allowed to wear more extraneous clothing. The clothing that are mentioned in the Torah are the very clothing that they have to wear, no more, no less. The question is, though, Rabbi Yochanan Amar lo amr yitur begadim begadim. Rabbi Yochanan makes eminent sense here. A band-aid is a bag. What are you talking about? Okay, so it's not a band-aid. It's like some sort of weird tiny belt on your finger. But still, why is that considered one of the begadim? That just doesn't seem like it's a baghead. But you could see how when they said no more, no less, so you have one shita, right, of a b'yudabaradivachia, that it just means you cannot wear anything other than what you're supposed to wear. And so you're not supposed to have extra or whatever, even like a bracelet or you know, extra bling and all those other things. You're not supposed to have extra things. So maybe a band-aid in that case would be, would uh, not good. Whereas Rabbi Yochanan says, in other words, you're not supposed to have additional garments, which is to say, places where you normally wear things. You're not supposed to wear anything extra. But if it's not, if it's just a band-aid, that's not considered extra begadim, and that's not the question. Okay. So now the Gemara says, Maybe you should be disqualified because he has the chatzitza now. Your hands are supposed to, what? You're supposed to touch when you're doing the avoda. You're not supposed to have anything between you and the kalim that you're handling as a kohen. So my answer is bismol. Right? He has the injury on his left hand. Uh-huh. Or he has a lesion somewhere on his right hand, but nowhere where that touches anything that he's doing during the avoda. The idea of the small is interesting. I heard, I think it was Rabbi Simon Wolf saying that lefties, Kohanim lefties, can't do the avoda according to many shitos. Um, Levim lefties are allowed to do everything. They're allowed to sing and do all that stuff. So it's it's not bad to be a levy and a lefty. It's actually quite great. Okay. Finally, uh, the Gemara is going to say that Rava is actually connected to Rabbi Yochanan. Upliga the Rava, Rabbi Yochanan here, is going to be against uh, Rava. The Amar Rava, Amar of Chista, this, is, this was the idea of being come begadim. We thought Rabbi Yochanan made a lot of sense. We thought that a band-aid is not one of the begadim. However, Rava disagrees, because he says, come begadim, nima achas You should just know that it can be only the big day kahuna on the Kohen. Not a thread more, not a thread less. Even one thread is going to be, be a, is going to be a total disaster and disqualify all those begadim. Wow, shaloh bimkom begadim. However, with regards, that's if it's actually bimkom begadim. However, shaloh bimkom begadim shalosh al shalosh chotzitzos. It's love bimkom begadim. So it has to be three by three, right? Finger breaths, right? And that's the smallest uh, degree of a beged. So you can't really have any beged, even shalobim kom begadim. And pachas mishalosh alshalosh ain't a chotzitzos. And if it's less than three by three, they are not chotzitzos, which means that they're not considered to be baltosif. But be that as it may, right, we see that it's considered an addition, even, right, with, um, right, even if it's not in the place where you normally wear something. Okay, but it also seems that he disagrees with Rehuda and Ravchia, right, who's going to not allow the small belt. So what's going on here? Because the small belt is less than three finger breaths. So I think 
the Rav is disagreeing with um, Rabbi Yochanan and Rabbi Yehuda ben Rav because he's disagreeing with Rabbi Yochanan and Rabbi Yochanan says it only has to be Lomkom Begadim. Rav says that even Lomkom Begadim it's going to be Yasser. And he disagrees with Rabbi Yehuda ben Rav because Rabbi Yehuda ben Rav holds that even a tiny little belt which presumably is less than three by three Tfachim is going to be Yasser. Whereas Rava has the minimum share of the three by three. So what's going on here? So it says, He's certainly going to be Cholek on Rabbi Yochanan because this idea of whether it has to be Mkom or not is a fundamental Machlokas that they have. That's fine. But are we going to say that he's going to be Cholek on him too? Maybe the small belt can be different because maybe you could say that a small belt is in fact significant. In other words, you can gain significance by one of two ways. Either the best way is to have be actually significant, like a small belt, and then it doesn't really matter what size you uh, you are. But if it's just random swatches of, of uh, material, so then the only way you're going to gain chashivas is if you're going to have at least three by three at spouse. And so therefore, really, Rabbi Yehuda, Rabbi and Rava are consistent, and that would be a good place to stop. Five lines up from the bottom of Kokimel Ahmed Bey's. I wish everybody a good Shabbos, and I look forward to posting, hopefully, Monday Shabbos or Sunday, um, the very last daf of Erevin. Have a great Shabbos.